Welcome to Fellowship Safaris, conversations about people of color and their journeys to subspecialist training in their countries of origin and around the world. Welcome to Fellowship Safaris. My name is Jerry um, and I'm really excited. Look, guys, I have listened. I have had you guys complaining that I've been mainly interviewing pediatricians. I have had the complaints and the cries for diversity. Um, and I'm really, really excited about my next guest. And I know I keep saying I'm excited. This particular guest and I, it's been a long time coming. However, today... Not even an emergency <laughs> could prevent us from having this conversation today. And can I just start by asking you to introduce yourself and your professional qualifications? Thank you so much, Dr. Jerry. Uh, it's been a, a while. We have planned this for so long, but we are finally here. Not even, as you said, an emergency could keep this thing from not happening today. So my name's uh, Dr. Ruel Kageni Maina. I'm an ENT surgeon. Then I have done a fellowship in pediatric ENT. Uh, born and raised in Nairobi. School in Nairobi all my life, from primary school to high school, to campus, University of Nairobi, Master's University of Nairobi, and then also my fellowship now is the point I stepped out of Nairobi. <laughs> nice. I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to take a couple of steps back and just ask, why why surgery? Why ENT surgery? Mm. There are two reasons why uh, ENT was, uh, was a passion. First was because it encompassed all the areas of medicine. It has its, uh, can I say, the medical side. It has its surgical side. Uh, it has pediatrics, it has adults, <laughs> uh, it has internal medicine in it, it has its pathologies, it has... So it was encompassing all the topics that we have learned mm -hmm. from first year to fifth year. Yeah. I found it to be a chilled out department. Can I say I was inspired by Professor Masharia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Prof was really cool and willing to teach. So I think that was where my liking for ENT started. And it was only two weeks. Wow. Uh, it was a yes. two-week rotation. In undergrad, yes, it was, it was a two-week two -week rotation. rotation. Yeah, but I found it, first of all, I found specials to be, probably that's where I'd want to. Mm -hmm. At some point, I'd thought of pediatrics, by the way. <laughs> Stop breaking my and heart, Ali. <laughs> and then when I entered into ENT, then I said, probably this is where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting when you talk about it's starting all the way in undergrad because for me, that two weeks just flew by mm. in the sense that I was like, mm, not what I want to do. Yeah. And so hearing just how much, Yanni, for you, it was like this 360 dive mm. into medicine through ENT yes. is such a unique and valuable perspective. So what made you think about fellowship and particularly your subspecialty in the PEDS ENT fellowship. What was the fellowship, mm. first of all, okay. and what drew you to that particular fellowship? Okay, so once, of course, I made that choice of uh, ENT, I just dived into it. I joined ENT after 
after internship. When I was finishing ENT, we had quite a number of subspecialities that we were thinking about. The most popular was oncology in ENT, the head and neck. Uh, many people were angled to it. It was really inspiring to many of my colleagues. But people aren't looking at these other subspecialities. There are around uh, eight subspecialities in ENT. There's head and neck, there's pediatric, uh, there's neurotology, there's rhinology with skull base, there's facial plastics, there's also geriatric ENT. Mm -hmm. But I saw that um, the pediatric population is what we deal with mostly as ENTs. In fact, most 80% of our surgeries are usually adenoids and tonsils. But there are these other conditions that we, we didn't focus on them that much. That's what I felt. And uh, I saw that there was a gap there, especially when it comes to pediatric airway conditions, pediatric head and neck conditions, pediatric otology. That's why I started thinking about pediatric ENT. And then I inquired from one of my mentors, uh, Dr. Aswani, because how she had done a head and neck fellowship there in South Africa. So I asked her whether there is a position for a pediatric ENT. And and that's where it started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing because it sounds like first of all, yes. I did not know that there are eight subspecialties yes. within the ENT specialist training, like after you do your specialist training, now if you are to delve into a subspecialty. Mm. And, you know, props to your mentors. I know you've mentioned Prof. Masharia, you've also mentioned Dr. Aswani. Yeah. What were some characteristics about them as mentors that you are looking, you know, to be able to gain from or grow from? Well, basically, all of them, they were, all the ENT surgeons, uh, the ones who are based who are Kenyatta-based and the ones who are University of Nairobi-based. I should also mention Dr. Umutsani, I forgot. Huh? Mm. Yeah, so uh, they had this kind of lifestyle I saw myself in. Mm -hmm. It looked like a work-life balance kind of thing where you're able to do a clinic, you're able to do surgeries, you can be able to do emergencies once in a while and still have your own family mm -hmm. at the same time. I wanted that. And I also wanted to grow what they have started because we are now the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. And when we think about the fellowships, how did you figure out which place you are going to get this subspecialist training mm -hmm. after you'd finished your ENT surgery training? Mm. I had one of my mentors, Dr. Swani, had been to a fellowship training in South Africa. So, of course, we were looking at that. At that time, I didn't know it would be pediatric, by the way. Then we had these visiting surgeons who used to come, especially from the States. There was uh, Professor Netterville, who is in the University of Vanderbilt, I think. And um, there was Prof. Bush from Kentucky. Then there's this, we have this OED program for ears, for tympanoplasties. And uh, yeah, it's called Operation Eardrop. They come from the Netherlands. So already we had this global perspective of, yeah, probably we need to go outside to learn some few things and bring back the skill mm -hmm. back home yeah in terms of getting you know the application process was it straightforward was it difficult uh, when it came to applying mm -hmm. for your subspecialist training in uh, South Africa I think I've had it a bit easy uh, because uh, I don't think people had thought about pediatric ENT mm -hmm. 
So, and then it was a program that was starting also in, in South Africa as well. They had trained somebody from Ethiopia and uh, Uganda. And uh, the one who was currently there, I think, was in Zimb- from Zimbabwe as well. So it was an opportunity for a Kenyan maybe to have a chance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when I applied, my mentors helped me in that. And uh, apart from the bureaucracy of documents and, mm-hmm. you know, notary, I don't know, verifying this and this, it was pretty much uh, smooth. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people don't really talk about how much it costs to do those applications because, like you've mm. mentioned, mm. it's not just filling in a form. Mm-mm. It's looking for some a lawyer to document oh that your documents are real mm. and then also sending them because snail mail doesn't work anymore. And for some reason, they don't want them on email. They want yes. a physical thing. So yes. p- paying for express mail. So I think it's really important for people to know when you're doing that budget, you know, when you think mm. about what the budget is for application, mm. there's a financial implication to it that you yes. need to be ready for. And it mm. can vary anything from, I want to say, anything between ten and 50000 That's even... That's Kidogo. That's on the lower side. What? <laughs> That's on the we lower had, side. We had transcripts to be verified. Oh, you remember? Yes. So transcripts have to be verified by that epic thing. Yes. I think it was. I can't remember what it stood for. Yeah. But it was a company in uh, was it Pennsylvania or what? Yes. That uh, yes. you have to send your documents there to be verified. Yes. So that now the board of where you're going, let's say now for me to South Africa, maybe for you it's Canada. Yeah. They they have to verify that your documents are, are, are real, legit. Are the legit so real it's, deal. it was twenty K per transcript. Oh, yes. For, <laughs> for every and then year. for every year. First oh. year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. <gasps> twenty so that's times five. Gs. That's already a hundred Gs. Maybe you actually. have to apply for a passport so that you can yes. so that's another fifteen Gs. I don't know. Yes. You, know, you have the, to go to the uni. So that it's so that it also sends documents. You pay five k. <laughs> but then by the time you're done, one fifty k, one hundred and fifty to two. Actually, no wonder you looked at me when I said ten to fifty k. Like, what is your application? Actually, you're right. Yeah. it can go up to even one hundred and fifty to two hundred k. Yes, and I think it's really important that people factor this into your budget. Yes, and now that we're talking a little bit about money, what was the funding structure like for you when you were going mm. for the ENT? fellowship in, in South Africa? So it was a Calstors fellowship program. Calstors, of course, they're the ones who make equipment. So for Calstors, they would give you a certain amount of money. It was 300,000 rand in total, but the net that you get was around 220,000 rand, um, which is okay, I think, but it's still, it's something. And then I, I was lucky I had also a study leave. Mm-hmm. And um, remember, you also are paying you are paying things back home, like mortgage. Of course. Because so, life is still continuing. Life is still continuing. Life hasn't stopped. Right. And this 300,000 300, was yeah. per year? It's per year. It's per year. It's per year, not per month. Right. Oh, if it was per month, then you could extend <laughs> your fellowship. You'd be huh? <laughs> You'd be a chronic fellow. <laughs> yeah. You'd be a chronic fellow. And then they give you in a lump sum. Right. Yeah. So, of course, and then it comes at around March or April there. Mm-hmm. You're beginning Jan, but it comes at around March or April there. Yeah. So, yeah, so what did you do in the interim between January so and March? So, you have to save. You have to save before ah, you go. Yes. 
you know, you've talked about money and mm. I'm actually <laughs> tensing <laughs> because of, you know, from a funding perspective, that has actually been the barrier for so many people. Yeah. In terms of, you know, you've mentioned a little bit about the funding. How was this for your family? You're a family person mm. yeah. and now you're having to travel to another country. Yeah. So, you know, how did your partner take it? How did yeah, the so, kids take it? <laughs> yeah, so my wife was very supportive. When it when that letter came, mm. it's like you 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 need to go. Oh, wow. So, it wasn't uh there was no even there was no discussion. Mm. It was you are going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the but that was enough. Yes. In fact, financial like find it to be you can you can survive financially, but mm. emotional the emotional part is the one which is more and the family part Yes. psychological that's the one which is more challenging than yeah. the financial yeah because financial you can you can sell something you can you can do some low comes yes. and save and correct but now what about the <laughs> your partner the, your, your partner. wife your yeah. husband yeah. right and you're leaving a small child as well oh my gosh yeah. um and you know shout out to your wife because I don't take it for granted when partners are able to say you know what you mm. need to go do this mm. thing yeah. and on a personal note did your wife always knew that this is what you want to do. Like you want to eventually go into a fellowship training. Is that a conversation that you'd been having from yes. before? Yes. It's mm-hmm. a conversation we had had before. Like mm-hmm. if a fellowship comes, in, in fact, immediately I had finished uh, ENT. I was applying for fellowships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had applied for a head and neck, I think, in Australia. We were like following it up. So yeah. it was something that we were psychologically prepared for. Yeah, an, so on, once, an ongoing conversation yes, about... it was an ongoing conversation. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's... Hey, shout out. I haven't, you know, shout out to her. Yeah. And everybody else who has to sit down with a loved one and just have these conversations because mm. that support is gold when you yeah. when you head out. It's more important than the financial one. You'll survive financially. You can buy something and yeah. so long as you have some somewhere you're staying. Yeah. If you have that mental support, then yeah. it's, mu- it's much, much better. It's much better. How old were the kids when it's you one, were heading I have out? one son. One son. Yeah. Yes. He was three years. Wow. So he hadn't started school yet. Yes. Yeah, so maybe I was lucky there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that he was really young. Um yeah. and so he didn't he, even know. He didn't quite understand yeah. that dad has disappeared. Yes. Okay. Mm. What was the actual learning like in the program? Yeah, so fellowship it's apprenticeship basically. You follow your supervisor wherever he or she goes. You're there. It was basically Monday to Friday. Of course, some weekends you're on call. It was ward rounds, clinic, theater, ward rounds, clinic, theater. And this was both in public and private space. I was lucky. My supervisor also took me to a private practice. And we went along very well. And I saw all the angles that South Africa has and Cape Town has in terms of their medicine. And it was really, it was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um you need to humble yourself. You are not going there as a consultant. You are going there as a, can I say, senior registrar? Yes. Because um, when you go there as a consultant, you'll you'll get a shock of your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody treats you like a consultant. Yeah. You'll be treated like um, you, okay. A learner. You are fellow. Yeah. You know, fellowship is something new. Yes. Basically, so in a lot of spaces. In a lot yeah. of spaces. So. You're still a learner. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're above the registrar, 
But in some, most of those situations, you find yourself in that space right. of registrar and you're above them. You're expected to teach them. Yeah. Uh, they look up to you. But you also have your, your supervisor as well. Yeah. Who looks upon you to teach them. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have to do the, the work. Yes. You have to do the manual work as well. You, you know? have to do. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Actually, it was more of doing and learning skills. Right. More than even reading. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have to do the reading. But you know, okay, maybe I'm talking because it's a surgical space that mm. I was in. Eh? Mm-hmm. So it's more important for us to do the skill. Mm-hmm. The pediatric airways learn them very well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's really interesting to just hear about you transitioning from a consultant mm. level yeah. into a learner mentality. Was yeah. that hard for you or was that easy for you just based on your personality? I think it's based on personality, but it was yeah. easy for me. Yeah. Uh, I knew uh, that it's a learning space. So you, And then you're going to a different country, Yeah. a country that is higher than your country. Mm-hmm. So you, you always have to humble yourself because you, you assume... Maybe they have better knowledge or <laughs> uh, yeah. they have more knowledge than you because you came from a country which is maybe lower ranked in terms of GDP and all those things. But you find medicine, it's global, it's the same. You all mm-hmm. have the same knowledge. Mm-hmm. But I think that perspectives makes you humble yourself from the beginning. And right. then after that, you can start being more confident. Right. By the time you're finishing, you know your space and... Yeah. And you know your space and you know what it is that you're going to do. Yeah. I think you're better than me. For me, I had struggled Mm. because even just getting to that point of consultant, Mm. it took me a while to settle into that space of, yeah, you know, I'm working as an autonomous, Mm. you know, person. I'm in charge of decisions. Yeah. And then a few years after that, I'm thrown into a space where autonomy out Mm. and now I'm back to that learning space and learning a new skill like you're saying there's a lot of reading but then there's a lot of that Mm. nuanced stuff that Mm. you have to be in that room you have to be with your consultant just Mm. to see how do you navigate this emergency and exactly you know it's like um, the way you are doing that adolescent uh, pediatrics you know when we were doing pediatrics, even I think when you were doing pediatrics, even as a master's level, mm-hmm. when you went there and did adolescent, now you are starting it like it's, ah, so this is what happens. Right. Mm, okay, okay, okay. And then you get into it, weeks, yeah. months pass by, and then the next you get in, years, in yes. tune now nicely. Yeah. But now there's that aspect of, you started now as a registrar. Yes, as <laughs> a then, learner. <laughs> yes. As a learner. Yeah. So you have to humble yourself. But with time, you get into it. And get into it. What were some of the highs of your training Mm. while you were in South Africa? Could you think about some things that, Yanni, really stood out in your mind as huge positives and highs? The surgical side, Mm -hmm. uh, the theater space was really nice. The the way we used to handle the pediatric cases, Mm -hmm. um, especially in theater, it was very cool, you know. There, we could even arrange seven or eight cases in a day. There used to be something called the hurdle. You start uh, discussing with the anesthesiologist at around 7, was it 7, 15, mm-hmm. 7, 20? Mm-hmm. It was just like a 10-minute talk Yeah, where all the anesthetists, all the surgeons gather. Everyone is talking about everything that's going to happen that day. Mm-hmm. And then theater began at 8, all the way up to 5. You could do even up to seven cases. Mm-hmm. Then... 
they were very it was a public hospital but they were very friendly with the parents since it's a pediatric setup the mother would be dressed in a gown right. you know the way as children enter the mother is left outside the mother is wait, left in the waiting bay and yeah, the child is taken to theater the child is taken theater. to theater crying so what did you see here they were going to theater together wow until the child is gassed down mm. until the child is sleeping that's when the mother leaves and then wow. we are re- now that's when you start fixing lines and all those things yeah. so the child feels comfortable and mm-hmm. you know and then uh even in recovery the parent would enter not not in the immediate recovery but now after the child has woken up a bit and mm-hmm. out of danger yeah so i saw that being very powerful uh some of these things we take for granted you know when you just pick a child and <laughs> the you child is them. being crying yes and you've been seeing it in one way and just seeing this new model yeah yeah and then the surgical skills how we mm. dealt with those pediatric most of them were pediatric areas we had pediatric head and neck cases there were pediatric otology cases but the airway cases were what we focused on mostly the strider you know those croups laryngomalgias those things mm. so how we handled them it was a whole different perspective from how we were doing here mm. and it really made sense why i was doing that fellowship because i have that urge to do the same thing now here i liked the cooperation between various disciplines we could have multidisciplinaries almost on a daily basis the pediatrician the intensivists we are discussing with the ENT we are discussing with the anesthesiologist on almost majority of the cases even a small 10 15 minutes that doesn't take time what do we do here what do we do here what do we do here mm-hmm. and you gather together mm-hmm. and you make the best decision which is patient based and that was really positive mm. yeah yeah and i'm so glad you got to see that being modeled mm. because like you said we are now getting into a new era in terms mm. of how we are caring mm. standing on the shoulders of these great people who mm. went before us mm. and improving it as exactly. we move along right now as a, if you even if you're in a, a consultant in a teaching institution just arrange a meeting with your fellow colleague whether mm-hmm. it's maybe the intensivist you have a quick discussion not that thing of tell your registrar to call the other registrar yeah. then the registrar calls the cons- so it's like a way <laughs> a wave, a wave of, information. of information passing by why don't we teach ourselves we make a quick decision together right, right. me am with my registrar you you're with your registrar we come together we talk mm-hmm. we make a decision that's how people learn mm. not the ego thing of i can't be called by i don't know what i can't be called by this person yeah. if i want to talk to you in jerry about this patient why don't i call, call you, you directly? directly right why should i go through the registrar yeah. but when i'm calling you my registrar is with me and maybe when you're answering your phone your registrar is with you then we are meeting and we are discussing that's how mm-hmm. people learn that's how people learn and that's yeah. how even for the registrars they learn about that communication piece yeah. and the key things that you need to be able to share yeah and i think it's so important because especially going from a space where we we learnt in such our our medical education setup is so hierarchical is that the word mm, yeah. it has a lot of hierarchy yeah and we're shifting 
from that to now breaking that down just a bit because yeah. it's creating silos we're mm. not able to communicate effectively and i'm hearing you saying you saw a different model yeah so those were some of the highs what were some of the lows that you experienced during your fellowship training so the lows i think maybe i can break it down from maybe from the start of the year was the like being homesick mm-hmm. then you find people are constantly you know on their toes working mm-hmm. so you have to catch up mm-hmm. You know when I was going to South Africa you know you hear of apartheid and I don't know what but I let me just say it was maybe part of the highs I didn't find it like that people were interacting very well I didn't mm-hmm. experience any you know the the ones you can see in TV like racism mm-hmm. uh to me I think maybe they had by the time I was there maybe they had they they had modeled themselves in such a way now they are all partnering each other mm-hmm. probably working together mm-hmm. but you could still see the divides huh? in terms of um you could find this class of workers maybe the doctors the hierarchy or whites and then the workers are black those ones are still there mm-hmm. of course it shows you they still work in progress mm-hmm. but in terms of the interactions it was very very friendly mm-hmm. the laws was just missing family having to do the manual work again you know you had to put the lines again and yeah. iv lines yeah yeah consultant Putting Actually, the IV lines as a consultant, as a yeah. Consul- but I came to realize, even if you're a consultant, why are you not putting IV lines? You, you need to put the lines. You, yeah. need to, you need to put the catheters and all those things. Being a consultant doesn't change you from being a doctor. You're right. still a doctor at the end of the day. Right. And you still need to humble yourself. And you still need to humble yourself. Before we move on, mm-hmm. you talk about being homesick. Mm-hmm. Now, from a man's perspective, what was that like? Your a father your a husband mm. you have you know your extended family mm. talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like and some of the ways that you sort of mitigated that mm. that feeling so of course we would talk daily mm-hmm. with my wife call my parents once in a while and that would try and mitigate but once after the phone call is over oh you're still there yeah you're still kind of like missing the usual environment you're having a car you're having your own house and you have your internet and all those things that internet was very expensive mm-hmm. and you really needed that internet you mm-hmm. know um then the usual meeting with your boys nyamachoma it wasn't there yeah so weekends were very very long oh wow Sometimes you'd even wish maybe even being on call is better <laughs> than being on your own. Yeah, but later on now we we you get to make friends. Mm-hmm. Uh especially I made friends with my f- fellow fellows. Yes, your fellow fellows. <laughs> my yes. fellow fellows uh yeah. was one from Uganda, very good friend of mine. He's now back in we are still chatting. Yeah. Uh one from Tanzania because that place had fellows from all over Africa mm-hmm. Ghanaians so we would at some point in fact we were wishing why didn't we start this sooner yes you know at the first days when you're still new you don't know people it's really stressful yes and um even if you try and take some alcohol or something it doesn't uh it's not the cure it's not the cure and then it's it's a thing that um that keeps coming up in terms of making friends as an adult is really mm. hard it's hard it's definitely <laughs> it's hard. hard i yeah. think the single most important uh, challenge yes. in a fellowship yeah it's the social missing your home mm. 
mm-hmm. and the social aspect of where you are. Mm-hmm. Not the, in fact, the academia is yes. best because you are out of it and you are focusing. You it reminds you why you are there. Yes. But once you're back in your room, ah, <laughs> the loneliness. The loneliness. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. No, it's good to hear that eventually, that you guys were able to get together yeah. and at least have a community of people that you're still keeping in touch with. Exactly. Were there any other laws? When money starts drying up. Aha. So you have now your salary. It's mm. coming constantly, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's an insurance to be paid. Yagari. Higher. Then there's... <laughs> there's uh, I didn't even pay indemnity. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because my gosh. <laughs> you just could not uh, afford I couldn't it. afford. Yeah. Luckily, nothing major happened. Huh? Mm-hmm. If there was something major happened, like some illness of my some of my family members or something... I wouldn't be able to, to sort support. it financially. Yeah. I had to. I would have had to borrow yeah. money. There was a conference I had to attend yeah. in the US. Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. It's expensive going to the US. Of course. And it's really a conference that you can't really miss. And ay ay ay, so you come back broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you are doing a fellowship yeah. and um, something major that needs requires your attention comes up that can be a challenge and that's mm-hmm. something you need to prepare for you never think about it until now you're in it mm. and at least you are able to go for conferences for some yeah. of us i looked at some of those conferences mm. you're telling me to go where and and you know for me the budget was me and my family we had traveled as a you family you guys together so now starting to say Guys, instead of eating this month, <laughs> let me go for a conference. So, uh, you know, and then even in terms of like the funding sources yeah. within the fellowship for you to be able to attend mm-hmm. would not quite cover your cost of, yes. of being able to go there yeah. and be in the conference and come back. You are very fortunate that at least there was something. But then what I'm hearing you saying is that still funds yeah. do dry up. They do dry up. And then yeah. when you come back, huh, yeah. it's not like they, the funds now start coming back again. No. Mm-hmm. Remember, you're starting afresh. Yeah. So what so, was that transition like? like I'm once still in that done, transition. Yes. So, it so what's, takes, what has it been like so far? I wasn't mentally prepared coming back again. Mm. You know, you can... You can be mentally prepared going, yeah, but you're not mentally prepared when you come back. When you come back. So when you come back, you have been into this world. Yeah. I was in this world of pediatric ENT. I was purely pediatrics. Then I came back, I started doing some locums a bit. Mm-hmm. I started getting bored. I'm seeing adults again. But you have to start from somewhere again. Right. People need to know what you did. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of like organize talks. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily enough, um, many of my colleagues had known what I'd gone to do. Mm-hmm. So a path had already been prepared in a way. Yeah. And um, But it takes time right. even to adjust back. Yeah. Uh, I'm still seeing adults, but I don't want to see adults in the next. I've given myself a target. There's nice. a point it will reach. I won't see adults again. I nice. just want to see pediatrics. Yes. Financially, you need to recover. Mm-hmm. So you still are forced to do the routine things mm-hmm. and it will take time before now I get into the fellowship, what I trained. What you actually trained in. Now to get into that space, I right. think 
I've given myself maybe this year. Mm-hmm. Next year, I start being more towards what your what skills that skills you acquired. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, I'm purely doing what I right. did as a, as a fellowship. As a fellowship. And I think it's so important because, like you said, we prepare ourselves to go. Mm. And there's not a lot of preparation that goes into when you come back. When you come back. And for a lot of programs, what I've found is that that transition to practice varies because especially for international graduates, your teachers in South Africa can't anticipate mm. what is this guy going to experience when he goes yeah. back to Kenya. Yeah. They can give you some hints, yeah. but then on the ground, yeah. it's, it's difficult it's to, to yeah. completely anticipate, okay, I'm going to come back to this. Mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to come back and do the everyday things that I was doing exactly. as an ENT specialist. Exactly. And my subspecialist, I'll have pockets that I'll be able to practice and I want to be able to figure out ways to expand these pockets. Mm-hmm. And I think as I think it's really important for for us to document how we expand those pockets because yeah, true. that is a gap that a lot of people I I mean, there's someone who told me, Jerry, you're coming back to Kenya, mm. give yourself time. Yes, I think that's the most important thing. Give, <laughs> give yourself, yourself time. time. Because give, you've yeah. done adolescent pediatrics. Right. And then you're coming back we're giving you this can you it? Yes. Huh? That I must see. That you must see. Yes. <sighs> Correct. So it's, you feel tired. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, guys, where are the teenagers? Let me see the teenagers. And at the same time, if someone hadn't had that conversation for give yourself time, mm. I would have been so frustrated. Exactly. Yeah. During the time you were doing your fellowship, from a mental health perspective, mm-hmm. were there any things that helped support you from a mental health, you know, angle? Mm, I would say maybe the friends that I made, mm-hmm. uh, because we were in this together. Yeah. There was that fellow in head and neck, there was that fellow in rhinology. Mm-hmm. So there were all these people who we would sit down on a Friday evening mm-hmm. and vent. Yes. Over some whiskeys. Yes. Whiskey and... <laughs> and I'll others. just be honest. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, and say ah, yeah. Even this, you know, the usual gossip. Eh? Yeah. Ah, yeah. That guy. That really helped. Yes. Yeah, and then it refreshes you, and maybe if that weekend you, again you'd meet again, maybe go for lunch. Yeah. And then we would have this. Uh, we used to go for this to this East African restaurant mm-hmm. and have now chapati and yes so those are the things that mentally i came to realize really helped yeah i didn't have that in the beginning Mm -hmm. and remember yeah when you're there you're new you're alone remember all the other people in that hospital their families are there right so they don't have time for you over the weekend see they have to be with their with their people yes yeah. In fact, they are being even accused of not being there all the time with their, with their people. So, in fact, they want to the leave reg- you with the office <laughs> on Friday and see you on Monday. The registrars have a life there. Yes. They are married. They have kids. They yeah. have, you know, they have to do their other life things. Yeah. So, remember, you're alone. Right. You, at least, you went with your family. Yes. In SA, most of us didn't come with our families. Mm-hmm. I think we, because it was maybe one year. One yeah. year was two years, I think. Yeah. It was longer. When you're left that Friday evening. Yes. Oh, that's when the depression can start. Yeah. So once we got to meet on Fridays now, that mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. now we became a family. Yes. Yeah. 
when you think back on your fellowship experience, do you have any regrets? No, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> That's excellent to hear. Absolutely not. Yeah. There are challenges, but life is like that. Life is challenges. Mm-hmm. Think of it like a duty. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. They call it 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Most of the days you're not motivated. Ah, you feel lazy. Yeah. Dull. If you could sleep, just a <laughs> Just <feeling>. sleep. <laughs> yeah. Let me not go. Yeah. But I have to go. But most of it, it's, you know, discipline and duty. It's a duty. You have a duty to do it. You mm-hmm. have a duty. Once, once you feel like uh, mm-hmm. there are children who are waiting for you to come back so that you can try and sort them out. Huh? Yeah. And families, ah, you you have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to do it. So no regrets mm-hmm. at all. No regrets. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you, you know, if you had the opportunity, and I'm hoping through this space you have an opportunity to speak to somebody who's thinking about ENT surgery mm-hmm. or even thinking about within from ENT surgery, thinking about a subspecialty, what would be your words of wisdom or your nuggets for this person who's in that contemplation stage? Mm, I would tell them to go for it. It's your duty to do it. It's your duty to apply. It's your duty to enhance the profession. At the same time, try and maintain a balance in your personal life. Everyone has their own balances. It's never the same. Mm-hmm. Do you? But please go for it. It's usually worth it at the end of the day Mm -hmm. because you're doing something that you feel you have to serve Mm -hmm. the people, both in public and private space, or whichever you choose, you chose private space. Mm -hmm. But also there's that public space. Even if you're fully private, you do a lot of pro bonos and all those things. Mm -hmm. And it's really rewarding once you choose that you want to do a fellowship Go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't go for it and then deal with the challenges. And in terms of to the medical student who is sitting and listening and trying to mm. figure out wow, what what words of wisdom would mm. you give the med student who's in there, mm. who's decided to take a break and listen to the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Medicine is a journey and um, it's, it's, it's a lifetime. You never stop. Mm-hmm. Remember when we used to say, when you're finished undergrad, ah, sirudi tena, nimetoka kabisa. Then you find yourself there in the, in the master's program. And you finish the master's, ah, sirudi tena. Then you find yourself in a fellowship. Ah, sirudi. Then you find yourself doing something. So it's usually a journey and it gets better. It always gets better. So for the medical student, just keep on. It gets better. And um, it's a life journey. You'll go do internship, finish, become a medical officer. You might want to pursue the medical side. You might want to pursue the non-medical side. All of it is okay. Mm-hmm. You just follow where you think your sense of duty is. Yeah. Not really passion, but your sense of duty. Your sense of duty. <laughs> I love it. Where your sense of duty is. Where you feel you can do something. I absolutely... I really love that perspective. I've never really thought about it as a duty. Uh, I'm always this passion, heart, you know, follow your heart. Um, so hearing about the duty piece is so key as mm, well. Mm. And if somebody wants to be able to get in touch with you, have a conversation, ask mm. more about the subspecialty, mm. is there a way that they can be able to reach you? Uh, okay, yeah, I'm one of those guys who 
when it comes to social media, I'm one of the worst. But you can reach me. <laughs> I have an email. Yeah, and so we can, share it, we can the, share it in the in the show for, notes in the, in the in the forum. Yeah, you can also. I think I'll give, also give you my Twitter. And I think it's high time I'm, I become active on Twitter. Yeah. So Instagram. what's your Twitter handle? I don't even. I think I'll <laughs> I'll check. <laughs> but I have what? Twitter. I can see even. Don't I can tell see me. Twitter here. Kageni will share it. Yes. Um, to me, and I will put and it in the show it, notes. Please. You see, and it will Twitter. challenge, and yeah, it will and challenge on... him. <laughs> <laughs> and Instagram as well. Yeah. Because I have them, but I don't use them. Okay. Yeah. You have them, you don't use them. So the yeah. challenge is, please reach out to Kageni so on I... Twitter and yeah. Instagram so that he's able to, uh, you know, be able to check and and respond yes so i want to say a very big thanks by the mm. way you mm. are the first surgeon mm. you're the first <laughs> ent surgeon yeah on the fellowship safaris podcast okay and That's so this a, is exciting it's an honor definitely and uh one more in fact i'll be working with the pediatric uh, field yeah I think for the rest of my life now. Yes. Uh, that's the path I've chosen. Yeah. So, yes, it's, it's an honor to, to be the first one. Yeah. Yes, welcome yeah. to the fold. <laughs> um, and let me just say, this is how you know doctors are busy. Uh, Kageni literally had an emergency in the morning, <laughs> dealt with the emergency, and yeah. then traveled from county to county to yeah. be here for yeah. this recording. So yes. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time to answer mm. all the questions that I had for you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's been an honor being here, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, many more. And so I, I am hoping to hear, you know, how people interact with this inaugural podcast the mm. ENT surgeons podcast mm. episode I'm curious to hear what you have to say about it and mm. the feedback that we'll get from it so I look forward to being able to interact with the responses that we get yeah. um, and thank you all so much until next time bye 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you stayed tuned Please get the word out and share it with at least three people. Make this episode like a chain letter. Share it, share it, share it. Come back for the next leg of our safari where we'll be talking about when I had initially talked about getting you guys into the studio, having the conversation about fellowships. What are the first things that went through your mind? Maybe you can start with mom. Mine was, guy, what am I going to say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, I was like, we typically talk about other things. We can talk about our companies. We can talk about all other different topics. But I think when it comes to family, everybody's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What will we say? say? Where will we start? Exactly. Listeners are advised to use their own judgment and discretion when applying any information discussed in this and all podcast episodes to their specific situation. Always seek the advice of a qualified professional if you have any concerns or questions regarding a particular subject matter. You can find this and other episodes of this podcast on our website at www.fellowshipsafaris.org. You can also find all our episodes on all podcast platforms. Reach out to us on social media as Fellowship Safaris on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. And our Twitter handle is at Fellowships Afar. 
You could also send us an email on fellowshipsafaris at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and interacting with what you have to say about the Fellowship Safaris podcast. It takes a village to make this podcast. The executive producer and original music is done by Mokavi Maweu. The sound engineer is Tevin Sudi with thanks to AQ Studios. Graphic design was done by Benjamin Mboya. We would like to give a special shout out to Josephine Karianjahe and Melissa Mbogwa of Africa Podfest. All rights reserved by Dr. Jerry Karianjahe and the Fellowship Safaris podcast. <laughs>